0: welcome back to the wizards of econ podcast this is episode number 361 my name is carlos auras i'll be your host for the show on today's episode we have dave and jason the co-founders of the email marketing experience and who are directly responsible for over 110 million in sales for clients using messenger sms and email welcome to the show guys what's up what's up <laughs> um it, jumping I, I let people in my community know that we were going to have this podcast and the number one question that came out and they said, can you just get right to this is what is the thing you guys feel that most brands struggle with when it comes to email marketing? Like what area of it? Oh God,
1: this is going to be a good one. I already know what Jason's going <laughs> to say. Um, I can read his mind already. I I know exactly what he's going to say.
2: Yeah, for me, it's, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a deep dive into personalization and understanding that every time you send a message out, uh, generating revenue is really just this, I look at it like a cover charge, right? It's the bare minimum requirement for an email to even be viable, worth worth hitting the send button or an SMS or any type of outgoing message to your audience. What you really need to be thinking about is what else it's doing for your organization. So what are we learning about the audience member on the other side of the message? How is it helping me send the next message uh, in a more effective manner? How is it helping me to be more predictive and proactive in customer experiences as they kind of opt in and join into it, you know, a new subscriber scenario? So Personalization and and sort of using a message to its full capability. Um, that's what I would say. There's two things. So one of those. Pick pick which one.
0: Could, could you could you b- b- Dave before you jump in? Could you give an example? Like you don't have to say the brand's name or anything like that, but an example of like how it was done wrong, like transgression. Sure. So
2: sure. So I mean, anytime you go to a website and you see a pop up, maybe an exit intent or like an abandoned intent that uh, says, "Hey, ten percent off to enter your email address." Typically what that looks like on the back end is then you'll get a linear, oh good, they signed up. Here's email one, two, three, four. And then we'll split test our way down to see which is the most converting version of each one of those emails. If you're that's like best case scenario, what we see, they're split testing and trying to improve uh that way. But what I'm proposing is that the individuals <clears throat> interacting with that pop-up, uh, you are able to use there's ways to use these tools. While they're a- opting in and receiving the welcome messages to learn more about them. And then in turn, that makes your ability to message them in the future more impactful. So simply saying, I generated, you know, whatever, 10K off my welcome series at a 10% conversion rate is fine. If it's not helping your browse abandon and your per- post purchase and all that good stuff, then I think you're really missing the boat. Missing the boat? That's the phrase. Yeah. You're missing the boat.
0: Missing the boat. Yeah. No, that was well said. Well
1: said. Dave, how about you? Uh, I mean to to kind of dive into a little bit more about what Jason was saying. I mean, obviously, I agree 100. percent I, I think it really stems from this whole idea of uh, that I got from Seth Godin. Uh, one of the quotes he's famous for is, "When you try to speak to everybody, you speak to nobody." And most people are doing, you know, when they say they're doing email, they think, you know, I'm sending out, like Jason said, a very, you know, abandoned cart, one, two, three, done, and and they call it a day. But it's really a very generic, one-size-fits-all approach to email marketing, and it works to some degree, but it's very difficult to to grow that when you're taking that one-size-fits-all approach. If you look at, you know, any brand, there's so many different groups of people within that brand, right? If you're selling supplements, uh, if you're selling clothing, uh, anything, there's different people that are coming to your site with different intentions and different reasons why they want to buy. And so if you're trying to speak to all of them, think about it from a copywriting perspective. If your copywriter's trying to write an email that's speaking to five different audiences at the same time, how how impossible is that from a copywriting perspective? And then what you're doing is you're trying to optimize that one email that's speaking to all these different audiences to see what's going to convert best. But you're in- inevitably in that that thought process, that methodology, you're leaving out a whole group of other people that maybe would buy. But you're just not focused on them. So yeah.
0: Well, wait a minute. We don't, what about why copywriters? Don't we have chat now or. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah.
1: Even, <laughs> I mean, imagine how hard it would be for chat to write. It, it wouldn't even know what to do at that point.
0: Um, as good as it is. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like that, that question alone, like we could go nuts on it with, with the podcast and do an entire episode. And I, I guess that boils down to really knowing your avatar. Would you say?
2: No, it, it's so, it boils down to like challenging what you think you know about your avatar, right? So one of the one of my favorite examples is a company that I used to be CMO for and we started off with, yeah, it was like a startup, $0 revenue. It started off as a dropshipping company. They identified a winning SKU and then basically scaled it up to a point where they said, oh, this is an audience niche. It was a sewing uh, um, in the sewing space. So uh, eventually it, it just grew and grew and grew and we were doing the whole funnel marketing, you know, get in, get your target audience and spend down on it because that's where we can do our split testing. Um, and then we build out our nice sales funnel to sewist and selling enthusiast and everybody that that's what it was. Our Facebook group was a selling group. Uh, you know, and we were building a whole community about it. We hired somebody to write a selling blog, like really leaned into it, uh, really made a good run at it. And it worked until we started. Um, it was really a two-way message we added to an SMS welcome series. So, the way, this is what, I, what I'm talking about every opportunity to gather information, right? So, this is a welcome series where we basically said, Hey, what are you looking interested in? Like, here's your 10% coupon, great, but also we want to know more about you. Respond one if you're here for sewing, respond two if you're here for like quilting, and three if you're here for both. And we just wanted to see what would happen. Literally, no real thought behind it, just this is a cool feature. Um, sewing ended up getting like 887 clicks, high response rate, but like massive response rate quilting got more like 1500 and some uh wait it might be 597 887 for quilting and then 1600 plus for for both so it, it that that's exactly what this is all about right challenging what you think is your avatar now the highest selling sku on that uh in within that company's catalog is a quilt storage bag like it just that would have never been developed without challenging that idea of who our avatar is um and there's different now pathways built, right? The catalog is not built for just Soest anymore. Now it's built for these other audiences. And every experience can be made more inclusive. Now there's an abandoned cart specifically for this group and that group. And I think what happens when you start to build your own list and you start to uh, look for opportunities to like learn more about them, you'd be surprised at, 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 at what you'll find. Uh, challenging your belief is really where you start to find the magic of, how to create better experience? Because what you have now is people showing up to your store because they know you sell what they need, not because this is the store that was made for them, right? So what we did is we just put a quilting entrance in the side, basically, and said, "Hey, this is a quilting store now too. Your section that everybody feels at home."
0: Love it. I feel like I, I just was reading something about uh the brand Ridge. You heard a Ridge, and they're like into those Ridge wallets, hmm. and similar story where they i guess stumbled into or discovered something more about their avatar when it comes to rings and and like uh uh, guys rings and they've done something almost identical to what you've described uh on Hmm. their site that's pretty awesome dave you want to add anything it's iterative um
1: i'm trying to think i mean jason did a really good job on that uh on on explaining it i I think yeah i mean. like to talk about what I talked about before. I mean, you know, there's so many different people that are coming to your store. Um, and you know, it, it's kinda like the old methodology of funnel marketing. It, it, for us, it's kind of dead. I know Jason's Jason's you know preaches that all the time. Yeah. And our what we do is is really focus on building one to one, I guess, hyper personalized customer journeys. So instead of trying to funnel everybody into this one funnel one end goal where you have a lot of losing tests and, and just like a, a winning test, right. And you're only getting like a two to 5% conversion rate on that. What we're doing is and we're building separate pathways for every different avatar. Right. And so we're speaking directly to these people. Um, and, and again, it just goes back to, you know, people doing email versus email doing, you know, doing it well. A lot of people just think, Oh, you know, I just put up a couple of emails uh you know like ron Popeil uh from back in the day the infomercials set it and forget it i built it i said it forget it and it, that's it um and it's it's i guess quite the opposite from from what we do
0: where, where did you guys get the i talk about credentials for a second like where how did you guys become partners why is email uh or experience marketing well, you you explained it really good before we hit record jason it was uh
2: oh right so right email is like one of the tools, a really primary tool we use, but the goal isn't to send really great emails, right? Like Or cut the huge list. Like that's, that's really, that's a metric. You know what I mean? So retention is what we need. We need to create longer, uh, customer lifetime, um, periods, right? We need to create more opportunities for reorders. We need to really extend customer lifetime value. So that way you're able to take it back to the media buying side and go to bat with, you know, with whoever else is out there uh, competing in, in the face with you. Right. So, uh, Retention marketing with an email is a really wonderful tool to, to get that done. SMS is another amaz- amazing tool to get that done. Messenger is one that we're working with uh, and we're looking for more. So any place you're interacting with your customer, um, that's really where it happens. And that's, yeah, so I think it's dangerous to funnel in on just email because it really is a wider, it's a wider range, you know.
0: Well, what, what, how did retention end up becoming your guy's superpower then? Like, what did you do before you were partners? How did this start?
1: Oh, that's a great, uh, it, it, it kind of happened by accident. Um, love it. I was, uh, selling on ClickBank for many years. I was one of their top vendors, um, in, in a few different niches, uh, self-help, uh, golf, uh, were my two primary niches. Um, you know, I, I did really well with that. Uh, built up a list of like 225,000 people. Uh, was sending a couple of emails a day, making a few thousand a day, and you know, just sitting on the beach. And one day, uh, you know, I got married. Uh, my wife was from Uruguay, South America, and I was in a Facebook marketing group one day. And of course, you know, I, as marketers, we never do that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, so I was I was in a marketing group one day. I I, I met a guy in one of the groups. Uh, he lived about 10 minutes away from me. Um, you know, Carlos, you live in Miami here, so you can relate. He lived in Pembroke Pines. I lived in Hallandale at the time on the beach. And, you know, we said, Hey, like maybe our wives can hang out. They're both from Uruguay. Um, and you know how it is when you're from a different country. And and so we figured me and him both like marketing. Maybe our wives can hang out. They're all from the same country. So we met at Starbucks one day. He takes his MacBook, turns it around and he shows me, uh, his Shopify store. And in the first nine days of selling did a half a million dollars in sales. And in, in, in the from us uh like zero which is crazy to see um you don't see that kind of stuff in info product world you know typically um I looked at his ad account I was figuring okay maybe you, maybe you spent four hundred thousand on on ads and you made a hundred thousand you know it's still good but not as good he uh showed me his ad account was making spending about six to seven thousand a day bringing in like 40 to fifty thousand a day in revenue I was blown away. And I'll be the first one to tell you I suck at running ads. I I, I, I hate it. I, I'm horrible at it. But I noticed he wasn't sending any emails. So in Starbucks, I wrote a little abandoned cart campaign for him and forgot about it. Uh, a few months later, like five, six months later, he FaceTimes me. And I pick up the phone and he, he's showing me a screenshot. He's showing me like his computer. And he goes, Dave, remember those three emails you wrote for me a few months ago in Starbucks? And I was like, I think so. And he, he shows me this screenshot. He refreshes it and $300,000 in sales from three emails. I was like, oh crap, uh, that's pretty good. And he turns the camera around. He was in, he lives in Doral. So he was in Doral at the car dealership and he, he shows me this lime green Lamborghini Aventador and he goes, thanks so much. I'm buying this car cash right now. Thanks for the emails. So I, I was literally like, um, and this is Bill Jason and Ted.
0: No, I was like, okay. We lost your audio. No, this was uh, it's literally like Bill and Ted. Can you hear me now? Okay. I hear you now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for back. It. You cut out okay. real quick. Yeah, I had I asked you if cut that cut, was Jason. Uh, I was like, I don't see him in the lime green Lamborghini. No,
1: no, no. I don't think it's either of us. Um, uh, I couldn't get out of the car, by the way. It was too uncomfortable. Maybe I'm too old. Uh, um, Yeah. So I, I was like, holy crap um, you know, I just made him $300,000. He was teaching drop shipping at the time. So he was like, Hey, I've got a lot of students I want to send over to you. And so I reached out to Jason. He was already, you know, doing this for his nine to five job. He was a head of marketing, uh, for a brand. And and that's how it started. Uh, just kind of literally by accident. I didn't have an intention of starting an agency or, or or anything like that. Um,
0: yeah. I want to, I want to go to Starbucks with you. <laughs> Jason, well, how, how about yourself? Office. Hold up, but you guys knew each other. So where did you mm-hmm. guys how long have you guys known each other?
2: So okay, I can address that. So basically I started my I started in e-com in like my early twenties. I was uh in fulfillment, so packing boxes in a warehouse here in Pennsylvania for a fulfillment center for a big e-com store. He had multiple stores. It was on like on Yahoo Small Business back then. It was before Shopify was the, you know, around it was all Yahoo small business and eBay and Amazon. So we were kind of managing multiple channels there. Um, and I was there for about a decade, about 10 years. I stayed in that company. By the time I left, I was uh, head of marketing. So I just kind of like learned from the owner, picked up everywhere I could. Uh, I mean, it was so much fun. I learned everything about three PLs and how to like, I knew you know, you start fulfillment. So I designed the warehouse infrastructure. It was so much fun. So now at this point, I really understood e at the end. Um, and by the time I was finished, I was trying to manage media buying. You know, I was the, the CMO for the company, basically, and email was my favorite. I just loved the idea that these people are opting in. Uh, I wasn't really into buying ads and displaying it to people without consent. I really liked the idea of, oh, it's an opted in. It's a two-way conversation. We're kind of meeting people where they want to be. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. I spent a couple of years building out their email program. It became my main focus and other channels got neglected a little bit. And then I started posting on Fiverr, basically looking for opportunities. I wanted more problems to solve. That's where I met the company, the selling group that I became CMO for, another brand that I helped scale up to like 200 plus K a month in revenue. Uh, and that's where Dave, Dave said, hey, I just found this opportunity to, uh, you know, this guy's going to send us clients or send us students. Do you know how we can do this? And yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm ready to build processes and help people retain, you know, full-time job, just email. Hell yeah, let's do it. So jump shift. And that was about what, seven years ago now. So now we're, we're, we're all in here.
0: Awesome. You know, I, I I hear a lot more about that. That's, that, that's gotta be, I wish I could go back and do that. Like knowing what I know now, instead of running around as like delivering subs and like all this other stuff is get a job Get paid to learn this skill with somebody else's product, and then get really, yeah. really good at it, and then go do your own thing. I'm starting to see more and more people do that. I, I, I'm beginning to think this is the smarter way to go about yeah. it. It's a smart way to do it. Yeah. Instead right. of and now, when
2: I talk to a, I'm sorry, I was going to say now when I talk to a store owner, I can speak directly to. Oh, you have FBA issues? I've been there. Oh, you have fulfillment issues? Your pick packers aren't like I. Yep, I know all. I've, I've
0: right, and you have stories the to pull from, the from and experience. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: And I, and I can That's, offer a little insights and help, and it's, it really helps round you out a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, let me, for you guys, this might be about as exciting as watching paint dry. And, and I don't know if it's an area you specialize in, but I'm assuming you've seen it. And what's a really effective way for someone who's struggling to build a quality email list to build that list? Do you want I
1: this, say Dave, or do you want me to go? Sorry? I mean, I I would say it's, it's, it's all powered by paid ads. Um, You know, a little interesting point, you know, I, I, I do all the marketing and sales for the agencies, So I speak to a lot of founders Um, and there's one thing that I really noticed, especially when we do outreach, uh, you know, and we're speaking to, to founders, all the stores that I speak to that are under six figures a year, a hundred percent of them are not doing paid ads all the stores that i speak to that are doing six figures or more per, per year 100% of them are doing paid ads um and so that it's for me it's like one of the only black and white things that i've seen you know running the agency everything there's you know there's a lot of gray area in everything right but for me this is like the one black and white thing that i've seen um and so I always incur you know, I always tell that to, you know, store owners when I'm speaking to them and they're, you know, you know, just kind of coming up and starting, uh, it's really focusing on paid ads, you know, in some combination of Google, you know, Facebook,
0: Instagram, TikTok. Are there many people doing mid high six figures organically now? I think the,
1: the, the highest store that I've seen is a, a brand that we just signed on. They're, they're, they're doing like 70,000 a month organically. And that's the highest I've seen.
0: Wow. What is it like social media? Or they're just like TikTok dancers or something?
1: Yeah. They're just really good at social media posting and, you know, building a following and, and, um, you know, posting and stuff. They just have that audience really well dialed in, but that's like a rare in six, almost seven years now. That's the only one, um, you know, and, and so it's a very black and white thing for me. It's, it's really paid ads. Um, And and with, and with paid ads,
0: the oxygen that feeds the email list or feeds the machine. Yeah. So like what, yeah, with paid ads, you're, you're saying, I guess your platform agnostic, or are we just talking about Facebook ads to I directly I mean, sell a yeah, product nothing, or is it yeah, like I mean, lead magnet product?
1: Um, I don't know the specific process necessarily. I think there's many different ways to, to go about it, but, um, it, it, I'm talking platforms right? Like they, they're running Facebook ads, they're, they're running TikTok ads or Google ads or Instagram ads in, in some combination of those, those four, um, you know, they're running ads. Um, I mean, without that, eventually it's just
0: going to die off. Sure. Jason, you, you, you want to add to that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that I don't have much, I don't, I mean, I, I kind of ran from paid ads, to do something different. I just don't like the it's not my thing. It's not where my space. Although I'm learning more about it again and it's getting interesting once again, so I don't know. But what I really think when it, when we're talking about how to grow an email list that's going to make sense for your brand. Well, it's really thinking about starting at where you are. Like okay, so what are you doing now to grow an email list? Are you even making an effort and then just saying it's not working, right? So understand Where what resources you have to work from to grow an email list? Okay, you're an Amazon seller uh, with high velocity sales monthly. You have exposure in the form of transactional emails. You can't do any advertising. Is there a way to leverage that touch point in a unique way to grow your email list? Um, Is there a way to stay compliant and do that? Uh, So I would that would be something I would be laser focused on. Is there a way to compliantly get that done? And if there is, I would be building as many pathways as possible to get that done. That might be a little bit outside of, I'm not, yeah, Carlos, could you give me some information on that? Is there any?
0: Yeah. So how about, uh, I tried to connect with Dave during, I think it was right before or right after COVID to get together and do like a, an event in Miami for the meetup group. And then re in some time, I've somehow it got lost in, in LinkedIn messaging or something. And then recently a mutual friend, Tom, uh, connected. And we were talking about Tom building Tom's email list and, we're, we're working with someone to hopefully be a sponsor called retention. You've heard of retention.com. Yeah, the, heard of okay. yep. So how about that? Could we use that as an example? And then we could even use my buddy's website. Cause he doesn't mind uh, as an example, like say somebody has a bonsai, you, could, you know, a, bo- a, look, a, a bonsai knowledge site. They're using retention.com okay, so, and retention's filling the emails. Yeah.
2: I mean, so that way you're getting, you're getting, Low quality email list. Like I, I sure, would be excited sure, yeah. about that email list. Like that's not where I would start if I was. That's just not where I would start because I'm feeling like okay, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah, you need to start closer. That's like that's an optimization you do down there. That's not a list growth. That's like a list augmentation tool down the road. Sure. I would okay. If we're gonna start from scratch, I'm thinking like tech stack first. What am I going to use to? capture and send, right? We love attentive, we love Clavio. If you have a Shopify store, it plugs right in. Um, Attentive is my favorite one as far as lead capture goes because we can gather email and SMS at the same time. Uh, We work with them really closely. So we actually get like 60-day free trials for people that want to give it a shot. Um, That's something we can help out with, whatever. But that's where you need to start because that's going to tell you what tools you have to grow your list. Um, In a tool like attentive, you'll have pop-ups, you'll have Instagram swipe up stories, you'll have yeah, landing pages you can build to 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 help create different uh, funnels. Which I need to find a different word for that. But the point is, you know, if you if if your resource pool you're able to pull from is a site like you just mentioned, or a big Amazon list, or a Shopify store, that part's irrelevant. It's really about the tech stack you're funneling it through and saying, okay, I'm selling this to these people. I'm going to run them through this landing page. I'm going to have them hit a QR code to get instructions or have, how to best use the product. It's also going to be a pathway to sign up for email and SMS. And then I can build my relationship from there. Um, putting a couple of those together in month one, month two, not trying to do a thousand things at once, nice and slow, seeing how it goes, that's where I would start. And then I would start diving into each individual one, what worked the best. You know, Did I launch three QR codes for three different Amazon products listings? okay, which one got the highest growth in terms of like just people signing up. I don't even care about sales right now. Just who's signing up. What can I do with them? What can I learn about them? And then we get into the whole, you know, five hour conversation about (laughs) personalization. So that's a, that's like a speed run sort of where, how I would start. Right. That's where my mind would be if I was starting from scratch, like tomorrow.
0: Dave, you want to add anything to that? Yeah. I mean, you know,
1: the, re- the retention.com stuff, like Jason said, is just, it's, it's like a cherry on top of the cake. It's uh it's not the cake itself because you're getting the lowest quality leads from there. Remember it's, it's, it's bringing you according to them, like 30 to 40% of the traffic that's coming to your site and leaving. So think about it. Like they're not, they're not opting in. They're not adding to cart. They're not going through the purchase process. They're just coming to the site and leaving. And so it's going to be the lowest quality traffic, and the goal is really just to recycle that traffic, um, you know, in in a short period of time, because you can't email those people forever, right? You you want to email them as close as you can to the to that that action, uh, and get them to manually opt in, get them to add to cart, etc. So, I know on on Amazon, you know, I'm not sure on the compliance aspect, but I know some brands will do like a ride along. Uh, you know, thing with instructions and stuff like that, they'll use QR codes. Um, You know, I'm not sure how compliant those things are, because I know Amazon is like really crazy about the compliance aspect. Um, But like Jason said, knowing the tech stack, if we are using something like Attentive, you can do a QR code, uh, you know, get them to, you know, sign up for uh, what's it called for instructions, for example, and then they're in your ecosystem. So Uh, sometimes I've seen on Amazon packages, um, on the actual box itself, there's a QR code, you know, printed on it. Sometimes they'll, they'll do it as a sticker. Uh, sometimes they'll do it as a ride along, you know, like a little slip. Uh, there's many different ways, but, um, I'm not sure how compliant any of those are to be honest with you, but, um, you know, there's gotta be a way that you can leverage the brand from Amazon onto your email list. So like Jason mentioned, uh, attentive has a as a Instagram swipe up. So if you're a brand on on Amazon and you do a lot of social media posting, for example on Instagram, you know people are going to recognize your brand they're maybe following your brand on Instagram but then they go to Amazon to buy the product you can do a, a swipe up on your story it, well, it's not a swipe up anymore it's a it's a link So you, you have like some kind of contest or giveaway uh, in your Instagram story they click the link and then right from Instagram they opt in directly so, um, it's just mm. a way to turn your organic Instagram into a lead generation machine for you. Um, and and again, it just could be something where on Amazon, you're just telling people, follow us on Instagram. That's
2: a good idea for compliance. that might work, right? we're not we're not you're not subscribing. you're just going to Instagram, and there happens to be sign up units in our story.
0: yeah, you, you you know you know with Amazon, like Amazon wants the sale. So like the, their cracking down really just has to do with like us as marketers pushing limits and some people just are new to it and they push too far and they kind of ruin the game for everyone. But, um, usually it's your competitor who's sort of reporting you and they go through your whole funnel. Otherwise it's really just, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. You send them to Instagram and they're on Instagram. And if they happen to click on something and that leads them to a sale, that's technically not redirecting them off of Amazon. Um, but if every single one of your posts do that that's where it's like you have this wannabe investigator competitor that's trying to create a compelling case against you. So it's... Well, yeah, that's
2: why you shouldn't be trying to trick people. Like, that's the whole thing. Just do that. Just do it. Just just have an Instagram account and, and interact with your audience and build the brand. Like, don't try to trick... You don't have to worry about compliance if you're just <laughs> you're just building a right. brand, right? And yeah. I think what you yeah, call you that is the so helpful. I'm um, oh, sorry, David, real quick. You said Amazon wants to sell... And I'd like to say, like, I, Amazon wants the customer, like, they want the, the right. email list entry. Like, that's more important than any sale, right? That's why they, mm-hmm. they know what we're talking about. They, they know what we're trying to pitch here. It's like, get your own email list. That's what they're protecting. Like, they don't care about sale to sale to sale.
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot of the listeners of the show, like, that's never been debated. Like, the email list is super important. And, you know, having your own <laughs> site is super important. But there was many years where it was, there just wasn't something else like, get $500 of random products and post it and turn it into $1,500 magically versus yeah. teaching them how to bring all this tech involved in learning. It was very difficult, but the times have really changed and that's no longer the case. Like just the barrier to even start now on Amazon is so much higher. So it's, this is becoming a, a super important topic. When somebody is on the list, how do you guys have like a ratio of how much, non-sales content you send them versus sales sort of like the jab jab right hook example by by gary v uh so
2: hyper personalized customer journeys tell us that it's different for every customer and it's up to us to decide and determine that so that's the whole point right if you're selling uh, like a calcium product you're going to have people that hammer it down and need multiple repurchases and you're going to have people that need it every 90 days those people are going to interact with messaging differently just because they're different individuals so I would say there's really no, there is no jab, jab, hook because you're fighting. I don't want to talk about, because you're, you're, yeah, it's not even, a, <laughs> I almost said, I almost said opponent. Uh, the person on the other side of the message is just a person, right? So that's what we're, we're that's the whole idea of we're arguing against. A jab, jab, right is, is a sales funnel and that's not what we're building. Um, something like that is uh, like a split test where we say um, it's, it's two wolves and a sheep building on what's for dinner. And then like, I hope you're, I hope you're a wolf, right? So. The answer is you have to use your messaging to figure that out about your audience and then meet them and then do, and then do it for them. And that's where you get the 34, 35% conversion rates uh, in your automations, right? That's how you do it.
0: Can you guys share some examples of hyper-personalization?
2: So that sewing example was a good one, right? As soon as they responded quilting, the next message they got was, oh, great, you're in the right place. We have amazing quilting goods for you. And that, at that moment in that welcome series changed their interaction with us moving forward.
0: In that example, were they forced to choose one, and what happens if they choose nothing? Like, what are you doing with those people? Which I imagine is the the
2: the bulk, the lion's share, right? There's a they get the normal catch-all. Hey, well, thanks for being here. Here's your coupon. You know, we just that's like the best practice. They go where they go. I think what you'll find over time is the most uh, valuable uh, people in your list are the ones interacting. And what we've what we're doing is also um, so what we're the split tests we're doing, we're performing are not conversion rate based. They're literally how to get more people interacting with personalization because personalization pushes conversions more than testing pushes conversions, if that makes sense. So yeah, I I think that's how we're sort of addressing that.
0: How are you choosing how to segment them or personalize them? Like,
2: so it's so, I mean, we, we look at your audience and we come up with a theory. So we had a group of sewing, like we know the audience and we said, what else could they be interested in? Okay. We have some quilting tools. Maybe there's quilters here. Maybe there's just crafters here. Let's just start somewhere and ask a question. Uh, That one happened to go perfectly. So I love the example because things are awesome when they work the first time. If everybody had clicked sewing and nobody clicked the other two, we would just delete them and put in other things. Painting, not painting because it's not close enough, but whatever, crochet maybe. And eventually we will find where people are going to self-identify, and eventually we will find the point of diminishing returns. Where um, I love to use the hymns example, right? Big brand, I was just uh, a men's say that. healthcare yeah. brand. Yeah, it's my favorite one because men's health, sexual health, hair loss, weight uh, weight loss, anxiety, Skin. and you're thinking of the different skincare, the different avatars that fill all these buckets. Is there overlap? Sure, there is, but not necessarily. The work is finding out who fits where and who overlaps where. And you might find that, okay, you know, sexual health customers that also are, the, are also in the anxiety funnel are the most profitable avatar in our business. Awesome. Let's take that to the media buying side. Let's take that to everything else we do because we just learned that. The same way we learned about quilters in our audience that we were able to say, oh, let's have impact now for this group. I would say that um, the first half, the the majority is getting the infrastructure set up where you can learn from the audience and put yourself in a position to create these uh these um journeys for them. I hope that helps. I feel like helping off the rails there. I hope that helps.
0: No, 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 that that, that did. That, that 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 helped a lot. Is, is there is there like a min max when it comes to the amount of SKUs
2: that a no, brand dude.
0: has? Nope. No, the more the You have a preference. The higher
2: that. Vol- no, I mean yes, sure. Higher velocity brands with larger skews, larger active skews. So if you have ten thousand skews and only three of them get ordered, it doesn't really help too much. If you have ten thousand skews where five thousand of them get regular orders, you can. I mean, you'll be building these journeys forever, and you'll just constantly be getting wins because. Split testing your way to higher conversion rates is like hoping you win, right? I hope this test wins. I hope this test wins. I hope this test wins. Personalizing your way there through hyper-personalized customer journeys, it's built to be iterative. It doesn't fail. It, the more data, it, it wins faster with more data, right? So it's just a matter of what's working, what's not working. Okay, tweak it. That pop-up's not collecting data the way we want to. Shut it down, put another one up. It's uh, Think of how like Facebook business ad manager used to be. When you could still like, I'm going to put out, you know, I have my theories about my audience. I'm going to try to meet my avatars. I'm going to shut down ads. It's like that, except you're not paying for clicks. You're doing it in your, uh, in your back end, and it's, it's cheaper. So how about that? There, Dave, we can write that one down to use that in the future. That's I never one. thought of it that way before. I, I, That's kind of how it is.
0: I, I hear a lot of people when I talk about email say, yeah, but I have one skew. Like, what am I going to, they already bought it. Like, what am I going to talk? What am I going to do here? Like,
1: yeah, I, you're going to learn really more about just why on they the bought business. bought
2: it. Oh, yeah. Sorry,
1: Dave, go for it. No, I mean, it really just depends on the business, right? Like every business model is different. Um, a business like that, maybe they're selling protein powder and they have one SKU and the one SKU was just a protein powder, but that's a consumable product. So the goal is really to get people to buy it over and over again, right? Um, maybe like if you take this brand in the background, I have a light, the uh, the light thing for the, for our agency, that's like a $1,500, $1,000, you know, AOV. How many times are you going to buy one of these in your lifetime, right? So you know every business model it has its limitations, you know, and pros and cons, right? They have a high AOV, but they have a difficult time getting repeat orders. Um, you know, so it really just depends. The strategy really has to you you adapt what you're doing based on, um, or the methodology adapts based on, you know, the, the number of SKUs, right? Um, hmm. I know Jason will will talk more about that kind of stuff. almost least su-
2: it's valuable. I don't have to.
0: How about subscriptions? I love subscription. Like,
2: yeah. How, like how do
0: subscriptions play into it? Like, when do you when do you decide in the emails to pitch the person on a subscription?
1: Uh, do, you I want this, Dave? do you want this date? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what type of product it is. Is It a thirty day count, sixty day count, ninety day count. Um, you know, obviously, the goal for many brand owners is to get people on a rebuild subscription. Right for them, it's it's easier. That's you know, they they know the MRR. In some cases, you have subscribers that are buying the products, and for some reason, maybe like Jason, he hates being on auto rebills, uh, but he he uses the products. So what we try to do is engineer ways to you know meet those people where they're at, because maybe they're consuming the products, getting you know benefit from it, but they don't want to be on subscription. And so the old way of doing things, you're neglecting that audience of people. The way that Jason's doing it and that we're doing it is you're you're allowing those people you're giving them a separate path. Hey, you know what, what was the message Jason that you, the text message that we use in that example like
2: oh yeah it literally says do you want a reminder in 30 days for a reorder and they can opt in to so if it's like a supplement brand, you have to say no, I don't want this health this healthy reminder from you know you have to literally say no, I don't want a healthier lifestyle next month um, which
0: is good enough. <laughs> That made me think of a recent convo I had with some some other people who do email, and it had to do with an email I received, or I think it was Kachava, the the powder mm. Kachava. Oh, well, I, yeah, yeah. I get, I I use that product like every day. I love so. it. Yeah, I, I I love it. Right. They sent me something, letting me know that my subscription was coming up, and mm-hmm. yep. a, a a link. I would even say the main CTA on this email was an opportunity for me to reschedule it, mm-hmm. and I. I couldn't stop thinking about it because I also have like say a membership that I have where people pay monthly and I wish every single person woke up first thing in the morning and just logged in and did it but in reality that's not the case. Most don't log in most of the time and even consume it. So I'm like, man, people are I also don't want them to unsubscribe. I like the revenue. So I was like, why are not these companies wh- why isn't Kachava just staying quiet and letting me rebuild? Why send that email? Like what's what do you think that's a good email to send on the part of Kachava or not? And why?
2: I I do. I love that email. I love it, especially if they send it in the way that I would send it to not everybody, but only you, because you showed indications to me that, you know, like, so I think that there's data points that they probably have. I'm hoping this is how I would have done it. That that said, you know what? Carlos is inactive somehow. We think that if he realizes he's being charged, he's going to just wake up and cancel. So Here's, an all, here's a better alternative for it. Escape hatches are always good to kind of build into your workflows. Um, if it's a static one that goes out to everybody, I don't love it as much. Uh, so I don't know if any, I don't know, Java hopefully you're doing it in a, in a dynamic way. But I yeah, think no. that, yeah, subscriptions are, I think that subscriptions are another tool that are just people put it on as a one size fits all and, and hammer it home and that's the end of it. I think that we need to be more dynamic in our subscriptions. If you have, Products that don't seem like they lend themselves to a subscription model, uh, try to create one. Like, can you can you just fabricate one? Uh, and I'll give you one example of um, uh, these print-on-demand type companies that we've worked with uh, created a subscription. Basically, it was meant to be um, a gift that you can give to newlyweds, and it's twelve months. So every month, we set up a SMS automation that says, you know, hey, basically, because this gift was given to you, it's time to upload your February picture of you and your spouse, and then. So what's happening here is the gift is purchased. We're getting predictable revenue. And then uh, the gift is being given to somebody. So not the original buyer is now interacting with us in this way. And the only interaction they're having is, oh, wow, I send them pictures of my favorite moment, my favorite person that I just got married to. And they send me these printed things in the mail every month. This is awesome. At the end of the year, there's an option to share it with somebody else, subscribe, renew. Maybe you shift into like a newborn baby year same subscription skin it for you know new additions to the family i i just had a kid two years ago i would buy that thing every year you know what i mean so i think that looking at your product offering and thinking to yourself can i have a subscription can i have a subscription that's only three months long it's just a quick little guy and then we try to you know make some modular stuff um subscriptions are amazing stop trying to get people to marry you with a lifelong subscription um when you first meet them because it's bad man it's bad vibes (laughs) it's not the way to do it you know
0: right if I want to talk a bit about tools. I think everyone on the all the listeners will crush me after this if I don't mention it, if I don't ask about tools. But what's your favorite tools that you use with like an email marketing stack? Uh,
2: Attentive is my favorite right now for email and SMS, um, just management delivery. You know, just uh, just overall, I love it. I think that they're when I talk about building hyper personalized customer journeys, I most re- I most often find myself drawing upon the tools that are Attentive is built in their platform. I find it just be easier not that we can't execute elsewhere. It's just that you could just work. So attentive is great. I love polar analytics is a tool we use internally to track, um, analytics for all of our accounts, uh, for all of our clients. So, you know, it gives us a more holistic view If something happens on the SMS side or the email side, we can see, Oh, is there a blip like in GA four for this specific brand? So polar analytics is a good tool. Um, uh, Slack? I don't know. Yeah, Slack, I guess. I don't know. Dave, do you have any good tools? You're like, Clavio. You, you guys yeah. mentioned
0: Clavio. Um,
1: yeah, Clavio. We use Clavio. For, Clavio. Email. Yeah, for email. For, for, for email.
2: I don't love uh, for SMS, but for email, it's good.
1: So retention.com is another one. Um, I just got turned on to another tool talking to a friend. I guess he's a co-owner of this. It's a, I guess a competitor to uh, retention.com. It's called opensend.com. Uh and it's got a few little different new different nuances than uh than retention.com, but essentially does the, the same thing. Um yeah, so those are definitely two of the biggest tools. Um I know for us internally we've been using a lot of AI powered stuff that Jason's built uh, internally, so um so we have a huge focus on that um in the last probably four or five months.
0: What about you? You ever heard of, for design? You ever heard Mission of one called inbox design. mailers?
1: Where I never I've heard of it. I've never used it
0: before. Where, where you where you go to send an email, and instead of it, like it goes into send, but it won't deliver on the other end until the person is in their inbox.
2: Uh, inbox Geek is another one that does. Yeah, so I've heard of tools like that. Um, we've used Inbox Geek too su- successfully, actually. Um, inbox Geek is a really good tool. I maybe yours works as well. No, I've never heard of it, but that's a good tool. Yep, I like it.
0: I'm writing these tools down so I can check them all out later. Um,
2: I would say, you know, don't, don't try to do a big, just do one at a time. Like, you know, don't, don't try to launch five tools and then none of them work as well as you want them to.
0: Absolutely. Um, can you talk briefly about the types of, the types of brands that you work well with? So anybody listening to this that maybe fits that criteria, they can reach out and see if they can scale that side of their business.
1: Yeah. I would probably say up until this past year, I mean, we were really focused on brands doing a million a year plus, um, you know, just because of the packages that we offered, it really just catered to that, um, you know, that level of audience. Um, in addition just the manpower that's required to, to do what we do, um, you know, that's what it really worked well with. I think with AI coming to prominence in the last year um, and us being able to develop some in-house powered tools, um, you know, we've been able to reduce our costs to deliver the services, um, and, and it's allowed us to, you know, take on stores now that are doing much less revenue, maybe like 25, you know, thousand a month or more, um, and really offer them, you know, a, a small enough package where they're really going to see a solid ROI. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's been really great for us, um, as an agency, we've been able to expand, uh, you know, who we're able to work with, who we're able to help.
0: And maybe more rapidly get people into those tiers that you had before.
1: Yeah. And it really just allows us to grow with them, you know, and really show them, uh, you know, solid ROI, even for a small store. Whereas before it it would just be really, really difficult just because of the manpower and overhead, uh, you know, that we had uh, in order to deliver these services at scale.
0: What, What about list size to where it makes sense, like on the email and SMS side? So I I know
1: before Jason speaks, you know, to to talk about Tom's, uh, you know, thing I I spoke when I spoke with Tom, we didn't have these packages really ready to go. Um, I told him about a list of about eight to 10,000 people um, should be doing about 80,000 a month in revenue. Um, But I think Jason, with our smaller package, I don't, you know, obviously the number is going to be much, much smaller.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, we have the the growth plan we've launched is designed to help people, even if they have nothing at all, and to build the infrastructure from the beginning. Because I think what happens now when we're onboarding newer clients, we're finding that what we have to do is basically hit the delete button in Clavio and then start from scratch because, you know, or attentive or whatever it is, because, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, what I've described in our conversation today just doesn't exist, right? It has to be built from somewhere. So the growth plans are really developed to, we can build these back-end systems before you start spending a bunch of money up front so your back-end is ready to be profitable for you and help. You know, So um, we don't really have a, a minimum requirement on list size anymore. It's really just a matter of when you come in, what are we focused on? What, where are we starting? We're not going to send campaigns at first because you have no list. Cool. We're going to work. focus on getting the list built in the right way and scaling properly. So it's a really exciting time to be doing this kind of work
0: love it. Guys, we we definitely exceeded the 30 minute mark shooting for this episode. Yeah. Um can we uh best way for people to get a hold of you? Can you share that and then could each of you share your favorite book and why?
1: Uh so best way to get a hold of us would be uh going to our website, the email experience.com um or uh by contacting either of us on social media. Um I know me and Jason are on uh, Facebook. Um, You know, Dave Miz on Facebook, uh, Jason Donapel on Facebook. So they can, um, you know, they can contact us there Uh, or the website. You know, we have a little uh, scheduler on the bottom of the website. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's probably the best way as far as books. um, So I've been following this guy on social media for a while. His name is Chris Dew. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a, uh, he's a graphic designer. He puts out a lot of great content. And, um, you know, obviously I'm not a graphic designer anymore. Um, I used to be in a previous life, but he, he really puts out a lot of great content. Um, and this is a book that he put out. You can barely see it because it's called pocket full of do. Um, and it's just a lot of great, like, uh, you know, quotes and comments and just little, uh, little lessons, um, you know, that he talks about, you know, just dealing with people working with clients, um, you know, teaching, sharing, you know, procrastination all types of stuff um you know really really great insights um that i think are very valuable to uh to people
0: love it jason
2: uh yeah i i am on social media now that's a weird thing but that's happening so jason Donapel. and then for my book it's gonna be meditations marcus Aurelius, right every single day every single day it's got something for you so there it is.
0: <laughs> i do uh Great book. I, I got. I read Meditations, oh, but I got oh, it go. from how about this? starting from him. Just, yeah, uh, look at that. Both of us on the table. Yeah, I. Uh, how about my that? my son just turned six and my daughter just turned four and uh, these Daily Dad emails. That's how I discovered meditation actually through um Ryan Holiday. So yeah, phenomenal. Marcus Aurelius, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, could, that's could the, email That is well. wild. We both had that book within arm's reach. <laughs> oh. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, he's a good email marketer, good, uh, good stuff, good guy. Hell like Phenomenal! I love his emails. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Yep. Um, hope to be doing a lot of stuff with thank you guys you. in the future. Hopefully, reaching out, talking about SMS. I'm uh, Dave. You're local in time. Miami, Jason. You mentioned Pennsylvania, yeah?
2: Yeah, go birds, Philadelphia. Yeah.
0: Oh, maybe we could do an event down in Miami at some point. That'd be really good. Thank you guys so much for your it'd, time. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'll, you, I'll, I'll, I'll free you, you up for the rest of the day. day.